Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. <laughs> Vámonos. Bienvenidos a la casa de club para degenerados. I, I heard house. I got that part. Casa. I... I, I I I I actually like uh, uh looked up like the Spanish translation for Degenerates Clubhouse and there's not really a direct translation for Clubhouse. The the closest thing is Casa de Club. Casa de Club. Well, casa like a house, Casa de Club. Yo necesito mi casa a uh oh, I don't know how to say necesito. How do you say what's the conjugation for necesito if if it's too necesito Necesites? How do you say it? Is it is it too necesito? Too necesito? Too necesito un apartamento? Yes, yo. Tú necesitas. Necesitas. Yeah, necesitas with an a a s. For some reason, I've only heard that word with yo necesito. Yo necesito. Yo necesito un. Uh, yo necesito una mesa. Para dos personas. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. Perfecto. <laughs> yo, yo necesito una novia que gana mucho dinero. Sí. Y que está bella. Uh, yo, yo necesito mucho dinero. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, eh, uh, el banco está aquí. Eh, yo tengo una pistola. <laughs> Perfecto. <laughs> oh, dude, I love that. This has been Spanish with Armando. I was, I was, I was learning. I should have translated all that as I was going. I said, uh, yo necesito mucho dinero. I need a lot of money. Uh, el, el banco, the bank, está aquí. The bank is here. Eh, eh, yo tengo una pistola. I have a gun. Yeah. How, do you say, how do you say no problem? No hay problemo. No, no hay problemo. So, so part of what fucks me up trying to learn Spanish is is I, I know a good bit of French. Like, mm-hmm. like I was I was at the part where I was not fluent, but I, you know anything I would need to know to like get around or interact if I was in, in a French speaking country, I would I would know how to say. Um, you know, and I, I it was it, I was at the point where like I knew all the conjugations, I knew how to speak in past tense, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of French and Spanish, it, it, sometimes it's either similar, or it's the exact same word. So like I always pronounce the word in incorrectly because in French it's it's en like en le en oh. le maison in the house or la sorry la maison, um, but it's it's n in Spanish. So I always fuck up the pronunciation yeah. and sometimes like i i'm get and they're spelled the same too so if you're like visualize visualizing it before you're saying it in french it's all in spanish it's n but they're spelled the, the same. other thing that will fuck me up when i get with like like weird language dyslexia is the in spanish is l and in french it's le so it's just inverted so sometimes when i'm t- like if i have to to write i'm trying to to write it out in oh, spanish yeah. i'll write you know Le, le banco instead of el banco and uh. just because like the word for le like the foreign word for for the in my head is le and it's because just i don't know any french 
Yeah, but I think I why know. would you need to? That was that was the thing. But on the upside, Spanish is so much easier to learn than French. I I wish I had taken Spanish for that reason too. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle Armando. Je m'appelle Armando. That's that's very good. Um, oh, I, wait. Do I know two ways how to say uh, "yo soy Aaron" or? Oh wait, what's the other way? Well, hold on. I know I know how to say it. There's two ways. Me me amo Aaron. Yeah. But but you don't say it me it's me me, me amo. but it's it's yeah but you just like you're talking about how you spell it it's sometimes you're pronouncing it the way it's spelled or I'm, I'm getting there I'm, I'm doing the the, me llamo the Duolingo app they kind of make it gamified so you get little it's like you have five hearts and if you make a mistake you lose a heart and dude you gotta find a way to practice it you know when you start getting to the building phase of your home and you need extra laborers go to home depot <laughs> that <laughs> go to home depot and, that that, and that doesn't that doesn't work them. here unfortunately there's there's not oh, no, li- no. Uh, if i oh. if i was still in Whittier, that would 100% be the way i would do it um yeah but i i'm tra- actually i i forgot that my mom had been fluent in spanish and she just hasn't speaking it, uh, spoken it, Jesus, spoken it for, <laughs> she hasn't spoken it good for a long, long time. She hasn't spoken the language for like 40 years, so she forgot a lot. But like, I was uh-huh. just, you know, I was just trying to say the things that I just learned and she was like responding to all of it in Spanish. I was like, what the fuck? You speak Spanish? What prompted her to learn? Do you know, did, have you ever asked her? I, I mean, I, th- I think she just took the- it in high school. And then okay. I can't remember. And I know she she went. She had visited Spanish-speaking countries and stuff like that. Um, but I've always wanted to go to Spain. One of my dreams is to go to Spain, even for a week. I almost did that out of. Uh, I don't know if it was out of college, because I got that bank job immediately after. But then I was like, I was like uh, flipping a coin on what to go, what to what direction to go next with my career. Um, I looked into uh, like this, like this. Uh, I guess um, teaching English in foreign countries. I don't know what you would call that, mm. but 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 one idea I had was, well, I don't need to know. I don't need to learn Spanish. If I taught English in Spain, I could kill two birds with one stone. I can go live out there, you know, make a moderate income teaching English to Spanish kids, and I already know Spanish. And then I'd be in Spain looking at all those hot españolas yeah. drinking wine. There, there's a lot of programs like that for teaching english in like japan or china yeah but the only thing is you don't make a whole lot of money right those programs no. don't really it's not, not to make them as shit. like they they kind of cover all your like usually they'll give you a very very tiny apartment um you know i mean t- yeah. tiny not not tiny by american standards like tiny by japanese standards where it's like you have a, like a little efficiency apartment and you have enough money where you can live off of so it's basically they're taking care of like all your your needs um and you're getting to experience a foreign culture but you're not it's you're not gonna like you know put away money for a mortgage by by working there yeah right yeah that's that was that was what ultimately shot that idea down for me as a possibility was was i was even then i was already thinking about like retirement and setting money aside and who the fuck's gonna take care of me and all that shit but anyway that's that's basically what i did when i went to germany but instead of teaching language i was teaching lacrosse and they paid way better. Like I actually did walk away. I, I, I can't remember. I had like four thousand dollars saved from from coaching at Germany, and huh. so I mean, it was just a whole different. It was a weird setup. It was like the the son of this German billionaire was on the German national team, 
and they just kept getting whomped by the English. Like the English national team just destroyed the German team because the, the English national team is actually like decent at lacrosse. Um, mm-hmm. So he he had this thing. He's like, okay, we don't have coaches and we don't have like the youth programs like they do in England. I'm going to bring over coaches from America to like coach us and then also start like youth lacrosse. So that's that's what I got wrapped into. And he was you know it paid cool. pretty well. Yeah, I mean just how how fluent how fluent are you? How comfortable are you uh, speaking German? Oh, not at all. So that was part of it. They did they did give private private lessons, um, which I slacked off a lot when I was there. I don't know why. I, I I got to the point where like I could just ask basic things like like how do I get to this street? Where is this place? Like oh, I need, um, you know, I I need what was the one one thing I needed to say? Like I needed a a, a cable for my my printer on my computer, and it was like. Oh fuck! I forgot how to say it now. I was like, "Ich broke ein Kabel for mein Drucker." Like everything in German sounds angry. <laughs> it does. Nine, nine. Um, I love, I love, I love German. I was, I just, well, we, we're going around in crazy tangents. No problem. Watch. I told you I watched, I watched that show, uh, Dark, and that's all in German. Um, Auf Deutsch. So it's all in German. Uh, it's all. It's all yeah, it's and then it's all subtitled, so I'm 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 picking up little words here and so, there. So I, that was the number one thing uh, that helped me learn German, and it wasn't all like useful German phrases, but there was this this they still have video stores at that point in Germany at least. Um, it wasn't all Netflix, and there was this German video store where I I had a bicycle. Like that was one of the first things I figured out how to do was I I got a, I got a bicycle and a bike shop to like service it and. I didn't. I didn't have GPS on my phone at that point. I just had like a big fuck all map that I would just carry around with me. So when I got lost, I could be like, "Where am I?" And I would ri- I'd ride my bi- my bicycle to this video store in in uh, downtown Hamburg, and I would get one DVD from the box set of um, of that show Twenty Four with Keith or Suther- Keith or Sutherland. Uh-huh. And they had it where like you could you could either s- listen to it. It dubbed in German but with English subtitles or you could l- listen to it in English with German subtitles and I would sort of just like flip back and forth how I was listening to it and I'd, I'd go through you know a, a DVD of the shows and then I'd I'd ride back to the, the store and I'd, I'd return it and I'd get the next one and there was this really really hot German girl that worked at the store and she only spoke German I was like fuck god damn it like I was like I need to mm-hmm. I need to learn just enough where I can I can like ask her to go to the movies or something, and then yeah. you know the the language. Shiza. Then that's no that wouldn't have that wouldn't have worked. Um, Shiza <laughs> wouldn't work. But yeah, no, I never. I don't think I ever got quite that fluent. I, I voist that that's very where is voist voist my schlüssel where's my key. I mean that was that was because I was always I had a bunch of keys for for coaching and I'd always fucking leave them around the field Be like voice my schlüssel. I was about to say there's a common phrase is you lost your keys every other day. Yeah, so I knew that one. And and one of the things that I figured out I've been there like a week, right? I hadn't even had a German lesson yet, and they're like, okay, we need you to go to this like it was basically like an elementary school, and you have to like run a 90 minute clinic. And I was like, oh okay, like no problem. I run you know, a hundred clinics for kids that age. Like, but do, do they speak English? And they're like, oh no, they, they won't speak English at all. I was like, uh oh, you realize I don't speak German, right? <laughs> and they're like, yes, that's correct. Uh, uh, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. So 
I figured out, well, so it helped that, that they had like a supervisor. I don't know if it was a teacher who, who they were, who, who was able to translate a little bit at the, the, at the beginning. And there was one kid who knew English out of all these kids. So he would help a little bit. Oh. But yeah. mostly I learned that you can run an entire clinic if, if you can just say a line here and a line there. Like this, so like so, anlinia da und anlinia da, a line here and a line there. Zovi, that's just like like this. So I could do something with a stick. I'd be like Zovi, and then I would, you know, I could say gut, good, sehr gut, <laughs> very good. That was all I needed. Yeah, das ist gut. And, and and then so like one of one of the things that I and these I learned a lot of things that were uh, either about uh, killing terrorists. Where's the bomb? Where's the bomb? Because I was watching 24. <laughs> and then I learned a lot of things about running clinics. So I'd be like, 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 uh, all the kinder zusammen, all the, all the kids come together. Zusammen, zusammen. Uh, and then, and then schnell. So it's fast and schneller. Faster. Hmm. The, the, the guys that I was coaching were furious when I learned that word. Cause I was just, I'd be like, we'd be doing a drill. I'd be like, schnell. And they'd be like, where, where, where we are going schnell. I'm like, schneller. <laughs> Like, Schneller. Shut the fuck. So a lot. That's the thing. A lot of German words do sound a lot like English, but there's just like all kinds of extra uh, vocab word or extra consonants and vowels just thrown in there. And then there's some like Schnell that are just completely different. And for some reason, those are the ones that I remember. The the weird ones that I'd use all the time. But outside of Germany, there's not a lot of reason to know German. And uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping once. The, the pandemic ends and I can actually work on Spanish a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll have more cause to use it. But anyhow, anyhow, we're, I just realized we're fu- we're fucking 13 minutes into recording and we haven't even started talking about any of the stuff we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, it's okay. The, so, so the one the one thing I just wanted to to recap but before we we started recording, I I I was I was like like. Mondo, full disclosure for this podcast, like I'm, I'm a little bit fucked up today, and uh, I did not mean that in the the drinking and drunk sense. I meant it like um, I I took on a a uh, landscaping project. I usually don't do landscaping work at all, and I did a like most of the actual physical labor myself, and like my whole spine and my neck and everything is super fucked up right now, not feeling so hot, so. If later in this podcast I just start like randomly losing my train of thought or something, it's probably because there's a bunch of muscles in my head and neck that have just started spasming and I'm having trouble concentrating. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen. But um, Aaron just got off doing some infrared sauna stuff. Oh yeah, as well. Oh yeah, I don't I don't have like the full Joe Rogan setup. I don't have a a, uh, a float tank in my basement, but I've got all the other other toys. I've got an inversion table down there. I've got a percussion massager. I've got an infrared sauna. Um, Maybe one day with the float tank. By the way, if you guys have never tried that, uh, Armando, if you've never tried one, I, I, I would recommend doing it at least twice. Floating? Float, floating, yeah. I've heard about it on, on Mr. Rogan's podcast. It sounds interesting. Um, I I think I would want to do it 100% substance and sober free just, mm-hmm. just to experience oh, oh yeah, 100%. it the first time. Yeah, I, I've... And then... Don't, don't do it. With more, don't do it high. Fuck that. And then, yeah, and then with more practice, maybe try it with some, I don't know, illicit substances of some sort. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I, I've, I've had, I'm trying to remember, I probably at least like 10 times I've, I've floated. 
Um, so there, there's two things with it. Like there's the physical aspect and there's the, the mental aspect. This is a little bit of a tangent, but remember I was, I was also telling you, cause you were asking like, Oh, do you do infrared saunas? And I like, yeah, I've got, I've got one, but I also do magnesium baths, which I mean, I just fill up my bathtub and dump a ton of Epsom salt in it. And that's, that's great when you don't have a, a float tank in your basement because you're not Joe Rogan and you're not like a hundred millionaire or whatever, but <laughs> he's moving to Texas. That's actually what those float tanks are. It, I mean, it's like these big um, baths. So, uh, other than being sensory deprivation chambers, they're just te- body temperature water that is so, so dense with magnesium that you float. So, like, that whole thing I was talking about, your body absorbing um, magnesium and getting rid of inflammation and stuff, you'll actually get that benefit from floating. So, there's that good physical aspect. And then... Yeah, just, just just being devoid of all those senses, like, it, it can vary for, for different people, but, like, it really does let your mind just sort of, like, calm down, and suddenly yeah. you can kind of, like, focus things a little bit clearer. So I, I recommend it, just just a couple times at least, but... Um, I, liken it, I liken it to a form of meditation um, that requires a little bit more, that has a little bit more of a physical element to it, so that your body's actually going into some sort of... Um, physical re- relaxing state. Again, I wouldn't know. I've never done it, but I, I, I that's what I envision when I when I hear other people talk it, about it, it. It's kind of like a like a meditation supplement. I put it that way, right? Because like when when you're meditating, just normally you're you're just trying to to tune out a bunch of external things. You're trying to focus on one thing, whether you know it's your well being, whether it's relaxation, whether it's a goal you want to achieve. It that's all meditation is. It's just trying to like tune out all this external bullshit that's getting in the way of what you're trying to focus on and you're just trying to calm your 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 nervous system, focus your mind. And it, it's kind of like you're using a little bit of a cheat code. It's like, okay, we're just going to remove all this external sensation. You're not going to be able to see anything. You're not going to be able to hear anything. You're, you're really, part of it is you don't even feel that much because the the um, that water that's rich in magnesium is the same temperature as your body. So if you get in a good good tank, it's like the air, your body, and the water are all going to be basically the same temperature. So it gets really hard to even tell like where the water ends, your body begins, and the air begins. So you're just in this yeah. sort of like... So you don't like physically feel as much. Um, you, 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 you can go into those things with earplugs, so you don't really hear that much. And it's pitch black, so you're not seeing anything. So it's just, it's just like removed all this external bullshit for you and then it kind of lets your mind just slow down and focus on what you're trying to figure out yeah that's one of those things that i that i would i will want to try eventually once at some point when i'm cuando tengo mi apartamento <laughs> y tengo más tiempo then then uh that's something that's on my to-do list i understood that i felt i felt yeah. smart <laughs> That's uh, funny. Yo hablo español. So exciting. See. Si. Uh, oh yeah, that was the, another thing we we spoke about a lot off air is just me trying to learn Spanish via Duolingo. But the reason I wanted to get into the health stuff just a little bit um, was because I've been on a, a long fucked up health journey. I mean, where I'm at now um, does not compare to to where I was. I mean. I'll summarize it this way. Like at the, the absolute worst it was, um, you know, I would, I would wake up, you know, I was waking up 
you know, every 30, 45 minutes every night just because pain would wake me up. And I, and I would wake up for, you know, the 12th time that night and I'd be like, oh shit, it's morning. And I would just lay there thinking about like, this is going to be a 12 hour work day as a, as a coach. Like I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to, to show a recruit around and I'm going to have to run practice and I'm going to have to, you know, it was like, like all this shit I would have to do. And then I would be like, okay, what do I have to do right now? And I would stand up, I'd get out of the bed and I'd be like, fuck, like putting my shoes on right now is going to be difficult. Like bending over and tying my laces is going to fucking suck. Like how am I going to do all this other shit that I just thought about when I, when I'm going to have a legit struggle, just like bending over and tying my shoes. That was the worst that it was at. I'm way better than it it was now. I mean, I was able to do, you know, eight hours of pretty, pretty strenuous uh, manual labor for this really fucking annoying uh, landscaping project. But the trade-off when we, we were, again, we were, Mondo was talking about his, his uh, apartmento. Um, <laughs> wait, did I say that word wrong? I feel like I did. Yeah, no, you said, it, said it right. right. You said it right. But, but I, I'm trying to build uh, Mikasa from scratch, from the ground up, and I, I need a lot more money than I've got. So when the opportunity to, to make $7,000 in uh, five days presented itself, I was like, yep, I will take that. I'm doing it. Um, and hopefully it didn't, you know, it doesn't fuck me up too bad. But the reason I wanted to talk about all that is because the, the, the main event of UFC 252 has a lot more emotional value and weight for me than most fights ha- uh, have recently. I mean, there was a while where I was like super into fights and I was, you know, had like emotional connections to fighters and whatever. And, and since I stopped training and I, since I stopped being around those guys, like it just doesn't, hit quite the same. And this, this, this main fight, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miosic, uh, has a lot more emotional value and we'll, we'll get into that. But, uh, bef- before we, we do, do you, do you want to talk about the rest of the card first? Uh, um, I, uh, I don't know that we talked about it in the last podcast, but dude, I didn't even watch the last card. I was so busy doing drinking things last Saturday that I missed that card. That was the first card I missed. Um, I gotta, I gotta watch that that one. But yeah, uh, this this card here. Um, do, do you want me to give you a, a, a recap of the uh, co-main and the main event? Sure, please, please. The, the, I, I, I kind of know what happened, but we may as well talk about it. So, the co-main was was kind of rough for me to watch. I mean, Chris Weidman got a win after I don't know how many. It's been a long time since he, he's had a win. Um, a decision win. And it was it was a grappling heavy decision win. And my my takeaway from that fight, I mean, sure there was plenty of you know uh, circumstances like he probably didn't have ideal training because of COVID. I mean he's he's in Long Island. They were like super on lockdown, so forth and so on. But like looking watching Chris Weidman fight, I'm like wow. As a martial artist, he is by far and away the best he's ever been. Like his striking looked better. He was actually using like pretty decent um, head movement and defense, which he hasn't had before. You know, he really implemented his grappling well. And who, who did he fight against? I forget who he fought. He, he, he like a, like an Eastern European fighter. That's I, okay. Yeah, some yeah. guy he's in the top 15. Weidman is no longer, was not ranked in uh, at 185. And, the, the the downside was like damn that's a bummer was we- Weidman 
his his peak as a martial artist and his peak in a, as an athlete have just did not line up in his career. Like he's way right. better as a martial artist now than when he beat Anderson, Anderson Silva, but physically he he's he's kind of shot. Like he's past his prime. I think he's just had too many injuries, and um, you know, it's it's just rough because I I can see the frustration. Like he probably feels really really good, you know, in the gym and. Um, you know, he, he, he's, he's implementing skills better than he ever has before. And it's like, he's just never going to get back to where he was because he, he had neck and back issues, right? Yeah. He had some crazy neck surgeries and, and I mean, a lot of the, I don't, I don't know if it presented in the same way for him as it is for me, but like, I I heard about some of the surgeries and stuff he's done. And, uh, I, I can tell you folks, it's not, it's not this magic wand with a surgery where you wave the wand and you're just miraculously better like surgeries come at a cost it's like you fix the one thing but you kind of fuck something else up like and i mean just the example that like do you you remember when when i tore my my acl in college were you around then i I, I think i think probably but i i don't recall that that was so that was like right after i pledged um so yeah then yeah i was around for sure it's not as fresh in my memories it is for you though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I remember the the aftermath of learning that I tore my ACL very, uh, very clearly. Well, I, I was gonna say very clearly. That's not entirely accurate because <laughs> because it, it, it was the worst timing ever. Because I literally, it's like I find out I just completely tore my ACL clear through. Like there's, I remember. So it. it this this is sort of where you know the medical system was back then. Like it took a full week to get the diagnosis back. So I'm just sitting there fucking waiting. Like what happened? Like I got the MRI. You know I just want to get the report. And and I you know it, this, it was a Saturday. And I go to the doctor's office like like you know ten ten o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And they put the fucking report like in a little tray. And I'm in the waiting you know in the uh, the the visiting room with this report sitting there and they're like, no, no, you have to wait till the doctor. And as soon as they're, they're gone, I'm like, fuck you. I'm reading, I'm reading the goddamn report. And I got it as far as the first line. Cause I, I look at the first line and it says, there are no intact fibers of the interior cruciate ligament. I'm like, Oh fuck. That means wow. I just tore the whole thing like clear through. That was 10 o'clock in the morning. Then I had to sit there and watch a game from the sideline being like, okay, well my season's done. And then Later that afternoon, as a group, we all drove to Tijuana. <laughs> when you say we, you mean uh, the 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 Lancer Society uh, of Honorable Sirs and the uh, <laughs> Metaphonian Society of uh, Distinguished Ladies. So for so for some of our fans, again, we know I know Aaron and I've uh, discussed how we met. We were Lancer fraternity brothers or society members. Well, the Metaphonians was a female um, society group, so it was basically a, a co-ed um, trip to TJ where the bo- you could just imagine a bunch of college, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old kids going to TJ where you could be eighteen and drink. It, it got uh it got pretty out of hand pretty wild those are good times well particularly for me i'll give you i'll give you the beginning and sort of the end of the night for me as <laughs> as i remember it so so the beginning of the night is was the, the like I, I mean i was super sad like like really depressed i mean cuz for me i i had that like young man like i'm invincible sort of thing and 
having an injury where I couldn't just sort of like fight through it wasn't something I'd ever considered would happen. So like I'm all bummed. And one of the Mets was trying to be nice. He's like, oh, I'm going to get him a tequila popper, which can you can you explain what a tequila popper is? The tequila poppers back then, it's it's it was shitty, shitty, shitty watered down tequila. Yes. <laughs> and the guy that looks like a guy that wears like a, an annoying sombrero comes up behind you. Sometimes they make you wear the sombrero, right? Yeah, I don't think I did, but yeah, that sounds right. Okay, but sometimes they make you wear the sombrero, but other times they don't. And they basically come up from behind you, they tilt your head back, and they hold the bottle of tequila upside down while you're chugging this watered down shit tequila. And yeah. then they, they're counting it down. Meanwhile, the guy also has your mouth kind of semi-closed and shaking your head around while he's doing this. Yes. So you're getting that you're getting that good alcohol rush. Um, well, and then you got all the metaphonians egging you on, like cheering, you know. Yeah. So usually the tequila popper, like the, he'd pour until you want to just stop drinking. You're like, right. oh, I've had enough of the shitty tequila. I stopped when the bottle was empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and that was how I started the night. I I remember. Um, I remember people like going and like dancing or whatever. And then me just saying, Oh, there's an unfinished drink on that table. That is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the place we always, we always went to like one or two like shitty little clubs on La Revolucion, the, like the main drag of TJ. But we always ended up going to the same one to kind of close off to cap off the night because it was always pretty cheap and it was all you can drink. But all you can drink wasn't actually a good thing. It was like, I don't know, 15 bucks a person, give or take. And for all you can drink as a college student, you're like, fuck yeah. So all these drinks are just nasty. But you're just, you know, knocking them back. Um, and I do, I do remember, I do remember dancing, which was, which is definitely out of character for me, especially at that point. <laughs> and being like, like doing like low dips and stuff, and being like, is this a good idea? Like I have a fucking torn ACL right now. I don't give a shit, but the part that really stuck out in my memory was, I, I and at this point, like, I, I my awareness of where we were in relation to, to where we started or, like, what what was a, a bar and what was something else was just not functioning very well, and I, I really had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, no, like, don't, don't go to the bathroom right on the street, like, that could end very badly, <laughs> like, you need to go into a bar, and I saw some of the Lancers duck into what I thought was a bar, and I get in there, and it is, it is a, a strip club, an, right. an exotic gentleman's club. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care. I just had to go to the bathroom so bad. I'm just like, oh, where did it? And I, find, I, I kind of stumble my way to the bathroom. It's in the back. And, and I go, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. I, I, but I just want to get the fuck out of there. Like, I didn't – something the, – the vibe of a Tijuana strip club was not gelling well with my mindset right then. And I was just like, yeah. I want to get the fuck out of here right now. And I couldn't figure out how to get out. They because they they had these like Mirrored. thick black curtains and mirrors everywhere. Yeah. So so like the door the door that I'd come in was just covered by a black curtain. And I start freaking out. I'm just mad. I'm like, fuck this place, fuck this strip club. I want to get out of here. I want to get out of Tijuana. And I start yelling at the bouncers in the club. You can't hold me here. This is imprisonment. This is fucking bullshit. I'm an American citizen. Call the U.S. Embassy. <laughs> And they're just like looking at me like what what the hell is wrong with this guy? And then like one of the I can't remember who it was, one of the lancers like sees me like screaming at the bouncer. He's like, Oh, oh no, don't stop, stop. And he's like, Is this your friend? And he's like, get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They took me out and I ate some really shitty 
King wanted street food, and I calmed down a little. Why do why do I want to think that the leader of the wolf pack that led you astray to the strip club was Aaron Ellis? Because that, I mean that fits character wise. If we were okay. if we were writing this as a screenplay using real people, you know, kind of we, we were we were making the, um, the social network version. Then yes, that character would have been Aaron Ellis. Yeah, yeah. He he seems like the perfect fit. Him and Frank Francisco Martinez. Just they're still they're still degenerates. Uh, in that in that sense, but yeah, those TJ trips were fun. They always always meant, you know, you didn't necessarily always end up hooking up with a girl but nonetheless you had a good time hanging out with chicks with you know women and uh drinking and eating some shitty like tacos on the border we would we would stay in san isidro which was like 10 10 minutes outside of the 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 border and we would take a uh we would either either walk or take a taxi to the border cross the border and then take a taxi from the border and tj to uh to this La Revolución, which is like again that main drag, and uh, it was always, always, I always had a good time. A couple times, uh, those trips did, um, I did have uh, successful nights with the ladies. A couple of those occasions, good times, college. Uh, I did not on that occasion because I got way too drunk to like function at all. Plus, I was super, super shy at that point, which people didn't fully pick up on. Um, but the point I was getting at was I, I, I had to get surgery on that ACL and it's not like you get ACL surgery and then you just magically, everything's fixed and you're back to the way they were. And specifically the type of surgery I had was, was they cut the tendons in my hamstring to harvest tissue to repair the ACL because it doesn't, you can't, you can't just magically, um, you know, it doesn't, there's new tissue doesn't just grow. Like they usually either take it from your patella tendon. So they'll cut out a tendon that's in the front of your knee, which then people will often still have like reoccurring knee pain. Or in my case, they, they can take it from your hamstring tendon, in which case that hamstring is weaker. And I remember the doctors being like, well, yeah, your, your hamstrings, you know, you know you're, you're basically missing part of your right hamstring, but you'll just like work that, that hamstring out extra hard and it'll get as strong as the other one. I'm like, I don't think that's how muscles work. Like, I don't, <laughs> I understand like in theory what you're saying, but that does not make sense. Um, or the most popular way to get, uh, and what, which if, if I could do it now, I would hundred percent do is you get a cadaver graft, which it means they take, they harvest the tissue from a dead body and and now a lot of times they'll actually use Achilles tendons because they're they're thicker and stronger than an ACL and the problem with those is that y- you feel better a lot faster because it's not as invasive right they're not cutting sh- as much shit in your own body like for me the part that hurt the most after surgery wasn't even my knee it was my hamstring my hamstring's killed and it took a long, long time before I started getting like close to normal function in that hamstring. Mm. But you feel a lot better with the cadaver graft. But it, since it's not your natural natural tissue, it takes a lot longer for it to kind of like like fully integrate into your body. So a lot of people will get these cadaver or graft surgeries. That, you know, after two, three, four months, they'll feel like they're hundred percent, and they'll start to try to go full blast again, and they'll just re-injure it because. It, it it 
takes a lot longer for them to actually become like good sturdy graphs. And and from what I've I've read and researched, it's like you need to wait almost an entire year before you do anything, but you're not fucking up your body as much. So the long the long point of that 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 story was uh, with Chris Weidman and and also I mean Daniel Cormier when we talk about him is like surgeries take a toll on your body and you're not the same afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never suffered anything major. I think I broke my wrist or elbow or arm once, and that was the, that was the extent. An ankle, I broke an ankle, but nothing, no surgeries. So I, so I bet that I, I guess that that wraps up the the Chris Weidman fight. That was <laughs> yeah. We're talking pre- about injuries pre- and pretty TJ. good analysis. And then in the the Derek Lewis fight, that was just pure comedy. Derek Lewis round one was like, I think I'm gonna have a grappling match. And then in and after round one, his corner men were like, Derek, don't do that. Do not do that, Derek. Derek, don't do that. Derek was like, okay. And then round two immediately knocks him out. Like within seconds of the opening round, does like one of the Derek Lewis flying knees where he doesn't actually quite get high enough to like land a flying knee. And then, but then just lands like a couple of, of uh, big punches and it was just game over. It's like, Derek Lewis, you're hilarious. I got to see those. I got to see the, the co main and main for that card for sure. Even though I don't, I'm not a big, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of watching like wrestling only grappling type matches I, I i do still like to watch them just to see how it happened the the, Der- the derrick lewis grappling w- was not the best <laughs> I, I i like your i like your graphic for derrick lewis that you posted on your blasted um the other day that was good and then you showed like the time lapse of how you did it that was mm-hmm. kind of cool uh balls on fire is a nice touch <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that was sort of the the whole conceit of that little um image edit. But that card while while it had some entertaining moments has nothing uh, on UFC 252, right? Well, I mean you you assume that. Like this is like a big time pay-per-view card and yeah. and they definitely uh they definitely I don't know if they stacked this one. I wouldn't say this was a super card. But I care about almost every fight on the main card, one way yeah. or the other, and uh, and then also, I mean, when I I, t- I told you off off air that I, I would have to give a shout out to Ashley Yoder who is fighting in the prelims and follows me on Instagram. So Spider hope, Monkey Yoda, hope she does well too. This is it's actually I, I'm not going to get in the whole the whole breakdown, but I think it's a very good test for her. I don't a lot of people don't know. Uh, Livia Hinata Souza. She she was an Invicta champion, and she's like a very well rounded fighter. Like she's yeah. got, I don't think she's great anywhere, and she's she's also not like a top tier athlete, but she's good everywhere. And I think for for somebody like um, Ashley Yoder, that's that's like a great test. It's a great a great place to show all of her her skills, and um, that that's that's a fight that I'll, I'll definitely definitely watch. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna watch all of them, even if I can catch the fight pass prelims. I'll watch those as well. But yeah, I watched the. I watched the prelims as well. There's a couple other ones on there. Felice Herrig is also returning after a, a, quite a while of not fighting. Oh, anybody who follows me on Instagram, I will. Uh, I will watch their fight. But but yeah, there's only. I only have two Instagram followers on this on this fight card. So, um, and the other ones on the the main card. So I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if I'll watch much of the prelims other than Ashley's fight. Um, main uh, main card first fight to kick it off is Magomed Ankaleev against 
Iwan Kutaleba. It's a uh, rematch. I'm not lie, I don't really know much about either one of these so, guys. So, okay. Um, Magomed's a minus... I'm, again, I'm going give, to give odds, but they're kind of, you know, odds change. So, at the time of this recording, the odds are minus 285 for Ankaleev, plus 225 for Iwan. It's actually a rematch between the two. They, 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 they actually just finished fighting each other, and I don't know if you recall, this was the one where... Uh, Ankaleev was, you know, they were. It was a, primarily a striking match for the 38 seconds that it lasted, but Iwan was like pretending to be rocked a couple times, and the referee stopped the fight early, thinking that he was actually really rocked. So Iwan was kind of pissed off. He's like, "No, no, no! I was playing possum. I was playing coy. He really wasn't rocked. He was just kind of mm. toying around with the guy. He was like, he's like, like pretending then that Ankaleev's shots were were doing some actual damage." Um, they, they weren't actually anyone watching it on TV. The shots were hit or miss as far as them landing flush or not. So it was kind of like if you were anyone that's ever seen an MMA fight before, you're like, no, Ewan's just playing. But the way the referee took it, he stopped the fight early, 30 se- 38 seconds in. Ewan for sure was like, uh, was refuting it, was was raising howls like, why the fuck are you stopping this fight? Um, Ankaleev's record's 13 and 1. His only loss is to Paul Craig in a submission. So Ankaleev's got, you know, the pretty pretty nice uh record. Um and also eight of his wins were via KO TKO. So he's he's kind of a, a, a finisher, kind of a striking finisher. Iwan Kutaleba. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say on that note, like when you're you're talking about the referee stoppage, like that, that has to be just an insanely difficult job um, to to ref MMA because it, it's like you almost you almost kind of have to predict what's going to happen in the future because a lot yeah. of times if you wait until it's already happened, you know, and when I say it's already happened, it's like a big punch lands and you have to see, oh, okay, this is how this is going to play out in the next 10 seconds and stop it before that happens because if you wait for 10 seconds to see how it plays out, it's like the guy's taking like severe – like serious brain damage he's getting multiple shots after already being concussed but if you get if you get it wrong then like everyone's pissed off at you yeah a, a ref should almost want to know the fighter's history you, you don't want to go into refing a fight if you don't know the fighter's resume and why i say that is because there's going to be guys that can take shots and there's going to be guys that got glass chins there's going to be guys that do really well on the ground and and there's guys that just are are just fish in the you know dead fish in the water when they're on the ground so you so you kind of have to know where their strengths and weaknesses are and you you want to not use that as a bias during the fight but um again Ewan is a is a guy that that uh that can take shots and is a striker um his record 15 and 5 um he's got a submission loss to Glover Teixeira decision loss to Jared Kennear you can't you know it means that he could take shots uh, submission loss to Misha Serkinov. And the only real, like, kind of shitty loss is that, that last fight. Again, this is a rematch. They just they just fought, I think, in February. I might be wrong. Um, but Iwan's uh, record otherwise, 15-5. and five, 12 of those victories are by KO, TKO. And two of those victories by submission. So, I you know, it's it's probably going to be a striking match. And Iwan is probably not going to do the same thing and, and, and pretend to have been rocked. I mean... It, I think this time he's going to want to come forward and apply pressure. I believe Magomed's 
game plan is probably going to be pretty similar. So largely, largely going to probably be a striking match, a stand-up match, just to start the card, which which will be good to watch. It'll be good to see. The, again, Iwan's a durable guy too, so good fight. The the next fight I know a lot more about. I, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, you've got uh, Marab Davalishvili. I think that yep. Davalishvili, that's how you yep. say his name, and uh, John Dodson. So Marab is one of the Saralongo guys. I mean, he, he's just like super grappling heavy, like come after you, pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, John Dodson is sort of in the Jackson Wink kickboxing mold of circle, 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 throw a leg kick. And then in Dodson's case, you know, if, if you get the guy coming on too aggressive, try to end a big shot. I mean, um, Dodson is definitely a power puncher. He's super quick. And explosive. I mean, I think he's probably lost a step from from uh, yeah. his, his his prime. But losing a step from how fast John Dodson was still means you're you're lightning quick. Yeah. Um, and I th- this is one where it's like I, I've I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I wish John Dodson's progression as a fighter had gone in a little bit different of a direction because I, I mean I think he he's just such a phenomenal athlete. He there there are parts of his his grappling game and the way he could have integrated that into striking all, all sorts of things. But whatever, I'm not I'm not a coach. Yeah. Um, and I've just always liked John Dotson as a guy. Like he's just like such a high energy like Cartoon. sort of like ha- happy. I mean, I, I think he kind of plays that up a little bit. He was just trying to have like a a persona you know for right. the cameras, but it's also kind of who he is. Uh, and he he's 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 the other follower I have from from Instagram. <laughs> um, so, and I always, you know, I, I always like, there, there was a fight against, um, John Lineker he had Ooh. where I remember watching it. I'm like, that's probably like the best technical fight John Dotson ever had. He had a pretty good game plan. Granted, you know, it was the Jackson wink circle, pot shot, circle, pot shot, but he executed it really well. And they both throw bombs. And I thought I won that fight and I made like a whole breakdown about like round per round, just like showing the shots that landed and, uh. And it was weird. Like he, I think his wife thanked me after making that video because I, I can understand like somewhat how frustrating that might be. Where it's like, wow, I had this great performance and I executed the game plan, and I should have won, and now I don't get half of my my fight purse. Like this is fucking bullshit. I mean, I, small consolation when some asshole on the internet like right, makes a, right. a a video really breaking down. Like, oh yeah, look, see, I won it, but it has to be some sort of. Um, uh, small small consolation the uh the odds on that one are Dodson is the underdog he's a plus 170 and Marab's a favorite minus 210 give or take Dodson's records 21 11 Marab's 11 and 4 um since here's the one thing about Dodson though and I noticed this pattern in his last like uh 10 fights or so since 2015 He's pretty much winning one, losing one, winning one, losing one. That's kind of what's been been happening these last, uh, you know, five years, four years. Um, He just recently won. So he's due for an L if his record, just based on the record and the pattern of his record. um, His wins are, uh, 10 of them are by KO, TKO. Also two submissions. Marab's uh, losses... Uh, three of the losses were by decisions, and one of them was a submission. 
Um, and and Marab tends to also be a decision eater. But Marab, he, like like Aaron was saying a bit earlier, he's a pressure fighter. He's a grapple heavy guy. And um, listening to um, one of my other favorite podcasts, Matt Sarah talks about how Marab's got like this unlimited battery. Like he just keeps mm-hmm. going. His conditioning is like top notch. He he uh, he's one of um, Aljo, one of your favorite fighters, um, training partners for most of his camps. So he mm-hmm. keeps that pressure on Aljo and makes Aljo. It's like iron sharp iron sharpens iron with those two guys. Um, Marab's only got two KOTKO wins and one submission win. So again, largely. His record is a decision, and it's 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 grapple heavy, and and I'm gonna just uh like DC, I'm gonna I wanna make you quit. I'm gonna embrace the grind. So, so that that uh, stylistic matchup is one of two reasons I'm exi- excited to see this fight. Like so, first, I've heard a lot of people complain that John Dodson fights as of late have been boring, but because he, he really is looking to pot shot and then, you know, counter punch and catch people when they're overly aggressive. And pretty much all Marab does is be like overly aggressive. So that doesn't necessarily translate into Dotson winning the fight, but it's a fight where something's probably going to happen. Right. Yeah. Like there's gonna There's going to be some fireworks. That would, that would be my guess. Um, Dotson's a, Dotson's a pretty good uh, wrestler grapper himself. So, so he's not like he's got, yes, it's not he like he does not use it like ever. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not like he's just purely a knockout artist, although that's largely what he does. He's got some good power shots. I think if I, if I recall his career earlier on, he was a lot more impatient before he was always, it, it was, it was almost always like a, like a, a, a like yeah, a rush he, he, was, he was sprinting in to try to get the knockout right. instead of trying to hang back and, and let the knockout come to him. And again, um, being a Jackson Wink guy, you know, they're largely about strategy. They're, I, I, I know you'll go on the super of. long. You'll go, I'm not going to. Yeah, I know. I was just like, I, Aaron, Aaron can, can go forever about Jackson Wink in the camp and everything. But yeah, it, it almost feels like they're, they're content with winning they're 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 content with getting a w points or otherwise they're not they're not yes that's a good way to put it yeah um uh, well it was and here's here's the thing i mean this, this this gives you um a look into to my i shouldn't say involvement but but like to 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 uh to my interaction with jackson wink um so like I, I actually went down like they their their medical director is a chiropractor named Bo Hightower, who has uh, got a a super popular channel on YouTube. He just recently broke a million subscribers. Shout out to Bo Hightower. And when I was trying to see, I told you all my health stuff was going to come back around in, in all these fights. And a lot of chiropractors are just freaking cookie cutter. It's like they do the exact same shit. To everybody, you know, it could be me, you know, like a young, uh, still pretty athletic person or like an 80 year old woman. And they're going to be, okay, I'm going to crack your neck. I'm going to crack your back. Like go on about your business, you know, give me my a hundred dollars and get the fuck out. Um, and so some, some chiropractors like, uh, Bo Hightower who really study a lot. They understand how the body's connected. Like they, 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 they've kind of taken chiropractic medicine in a completely different um, direction than what you would think of, of a regular chiropractor being. So I was like, I'm going to go down to this guy. I don't know if he, he can help me in treatment, but he might actually be able to figure out what's going on and like, you know, what, you know, the, the, 
backbones connected to the neck bone and like where, where in that whole chain the, the breakdown is. So, so I went out to see him and it was like the second day I went for uh, two consecutive appointments and it was like the second day uh, I had a, I had to leave the Airbnb. I had to check out of the Airbnb that I was staying at and I brought my, my dog down to New Mexico, you know, um, to Albuquerque where, where Jackson Wink is and I was like, fuck, I don't have a place for my dog. I'll hire a wag dog walker just to, like to walk him for an hour and that'll, that'll be fine. So, so a lot of, in that hour, many things happened. First, I saw John Dodson in the cage, like doing a private, like he was getting pad work in. And I really wanted to say hello to him. Cause like I say, somebody that follows me on Instagram, I had some like good interactions with them. I just want to say, yo, what's up? And I was like, fuck it. Like he's in the middle of a workout. I don't yeah. want to bother him. So I just, I just left him alone and just sent him a, sent him a, a DM to later, you know, later he was like, oh, fuck, you should have said hi. Like, I, did, you know, it would have been cool to see you. I was like, I, I, dude, I'm not trying to yeah, yeah. <laughs> mess with the workout. Yeah. Uh, the, but then the other thing that was highly amusing to me that happened was Bo, Bo Tower's treatment is also not like normal chiropractors. Like a normal chiropractor, you're, you're in, they go crack, 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 and you're out in like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, so I thought I had plenty of time on this wag dog walk. I was in there like getting treated for it was almost two hours. Oh shit! And after after the hour was up with the, the wag dog walker is like, um, "Are you gonna come get your dog?" And I'm like getting like adjusted, and he but he he will uh, Doctor Hightower will actually use a hammer and mallet and like oh fuck. tap 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 on your bones to like move them so he can get them in exactly the place he wants. Like so, like all this is happening. He's like hitting hitting me with a hammer, and I'm trying to tell the the wag dog walker like, "Can you just take him an extra thirty minutes?" Thirty minutes is up. They're still working on me, and I just tell him like, "Fuck!" Like I have to get my dog. Like I can't leave him in the car. It's it's way too hot, and and. Uh, Bo was like, well, just, just, just toss him in Greg's office. I was like, okay, like that's, I guess, you know, there's some, you know, he's got like a, maybe like a medical assistant or something named Greg that I can put him in his office. So like, I go get my dog. I'm walking him through like freaking Jackson Wink. He's looking around, he's smelling smells. He wants something like, no, Finn, come up. My dog's name is Finn. I'm like fucking get, get away from the octagon, Finn. We gotta, we gotta go up here. Um, and, and people are, he's, he's this like black fl- fluffy dog. And there's like, like large, like, uh, you know, probably amateur fighters like walking in the building, like trying to pet him. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's okay, it's great. I gotta, I just have to go back to my my medical treatment. And then, so I get up there, and and Bo's like, okay, this is, this is Greg's office is this way. And I walk up to the office, and it says Greg Jackson, head, head coach Jackson. <laughs> like, I'm oh, like, shit. what the fuck? I'm I'm putting my dog in Greg Jackson's office. Does he know this? He opens the door. And it does, it has, it's, it's like a pretty big office, not nearly as nice as you would expect it to be. I'm like, oh, this like carpet is from like 1970. That's cool. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe remodel this a little bit, Greg. That's where my mind goes. But it did have like a nice view of the whole gym. And I'm just like, cool, I'll leave my dog in there. And he did, my dog was not a fan of Greg Jackson's office. Uh-oh. And as, as soon as, as soon as we leave, he just starts barking. It's like, fucking let me out of here. I don't like this. I want to go, go where you are. And I'm like. So, like, now my dog is just raising a freaking ruckus in the middle of Jackson Wink. I mean, luckily, it wasn't super busy. But I'm just sitting there. I'm like, uh, Bo, I, don't, I, I think I have to go. <laughs> I, can't, oh, I don't want to just leave my dog barking in Jackson Wink. And, um, and, and we, we peaced out and, and drove uh, back up north from Albuquerque. But Did you ever go back? So, that was the only session you had with Bo, Bo Hightower. That was the only... I, I, I had two. Like, I, th- I can't remember what it was. It was maybe like a... 
a Wednesday and a Thursday back to back. So like I had a Wednesday session and then my dog and I went running in like little um, Albuquerque Hills where I see so many Instagram stories take place. Uh, and that, that was pretty fun. And then we walked around Albuquerque. I don't think I would have been quite as, uh, you know, because I took my, my dog. He, he was just tired of being cooped up in the car. So we were, it was like a three and a half hour walk around Albuquerque. And then when I realized, oh, wow, the crime rate in Albuquerque is way higher than I would have expected. Because um, usually I have like a little like spider sense about uh, an area just from the East Coast. And for whatever reason, Albuquerque didn't set that off. And I'm like, huh, okay, maybe maybe not no late night walks with my dog around Albuquerque. But uh, yeah, and then, and then I had a second session the next day and we peaced out. Gotcha. You didn't have the dog both days when you visited the doctor? Just the one day? N- no, because I had the Airbnb the first day, so I just left him in there. Oh, gotcha. Se- so it was the second day that you had to... The second play. day, yeah, we had to check out at noon, and the session was like at one. Understood. So... So yeah, I couldn't I couldn't leave him in the, the Airbnb and and uh, the wag dog walker is like, yo, I got places to go. Like, you gotta, gotta Dude, get, how, come get your how, dog. How cool would it have been if to like cap your story, like your dog like just lays a big turd in Greg in a uh, Greg Jackson's uh, office? <laughs> it it would have been it, it would have been so much better for the story. Yeah, it would have been way worse for me at the time in real life. True, probably. Who knows? I'm like. Be like, well, and that is why I'm not allowed back at Jackson Wink <laughs> MMA. Um, so, so, so anyhow, that's, you know, it's, it's not like I have like a real close personal relationship with any of, of those guys, but uh, I always, I always feel bad voicing some of my concerns about the direction the gym has gone because I l- really legitimately like a lot of the people there. Yeah. And I also realized like, oh, I don't have, uh, you know, 20 years of experience in MMA. Yeah. But I also kind of know what I see happening and, and I don't think I'm wrong either. So it, it, it's it's weird. It, it, it's a little bit awkward for me to talk about that stuff sometimes. So let's just not do that right now. Yeah. And move on to the next fight on the main card. Junior Dos Santos against Yairzinho Roizenstrike. I don't know if I said that. His last name. Yeah, no, I think that was that was perfect. All right, um, JDS is a plus one twenty five dog to Rosen Strikes minus one fifty five favorite. JDS's records twenty one and seven. Rosen Strike is ten and one. Uh, JDS uh, five of his seven losses were TKO, so the guy takes damage too. He's uh, largely a boxer. Um, Rosen Strikes only loss is a KO loss to Francis Ngannou, who's been uh, notorious for yeah. being probably the heaviest puncher in, in the UFC heavyweight division. Um, JDS... I, I think in the UFC uh, in oh, history yeah. all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's that thing where they uh, they have, like, that punch bag thing where it records it, you know, how, how hard your strike is, how hard your punch is. And I think Francis Ngannou still has the uh, record for the, the hardest um, single shot. Um JDS records, 15, uh, 15 wins are by KO, TKO, and one submission win, whereas Rosenstrikes, um, nine of his wins, nine of his 10 wins were KO, TKO, and eight of those fights only went to one round. They didn't make it past the first round. So um, what's going to happen? What do you think? I mean, so I, I think Rosenstrike is going to win. Um, 
JDS is definitely uh, a little bit past his prime, um, and then some. The difference is you can get away with that at heavyweight. You know, when we're talking about even 185 and definitely the lower weight classes, um, you know, 135, you know, with with a guy like Aldo, when you lose a step at those weight classes, it's just impossible to be elite anymore. Heavyweight, none of them were like, except for, really except for Nganu, were like particularly fast or explosive to begin with. So it doesn't like dramatically affect their, their game when they slow down. That being said, um, JDS is a good crafty fighter. He could definitely, um, you know, he, he could definitely land a punch. And who knows how Rosenstrike is going to react after getting just demolished by Nganu. Every time I think of Rosenstrike, uh, the one I, that comes to mind the most to me is his like, last second KO where he splits Overeem's face in half. Yeah, that was um, gnarly. But I, I remember that fight just being... Rosenstrike was like gassed out, like he just didn't. He didn't. Well, Overeem was getting the better of him during the during the the longer the fight went, it it, it seemed to go longer and longer, and it it seemed like Overeem was just gonna walk away with a decision win. It didn't seem like either was gonna get finished, um, even right. even though both were landing some good powerful shots, but I thought, oh, Rosenstrike's gonna lose, and just that fucking hail mary last second knockout. So I think. I think, of, well, if it goes beyond the first round and JDS can continue to to apply that good boxing pressure, um, it's gonna look it's gonna look better for him in the you know third, fourth, fifth, uh, third. I'm sorry, second, third round. It's only a three round fight, um, but uh, but yeah, JDS has a tendency to get to to get hit, to get cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, first round, first round, probably if it's you know. It's 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 Yarzino's favor second third round if 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 JDS can keep a distance and not get touched um, he should he should win but it's gonna see it's gonna be a matter of which which one's gonna apply their game I I like JDS he's he seems to be a very happy jovial guy outside the cage um uh, I would like for him to win but uh yeah it, I think uh. I think he's just too susceptible to getting touched. Well, I mean, it's just that that dynamic, like sort of old crafty veteran versus young athletic fighter. And I mean, Rosenstruck's not actually that young. He's thirty two, which you know, if if we're talking about you know bantamweight, that's you're now you're on the decline. In heavyweight, that's still a young spring chicken. Yeah, yeah. But but. I, in in those scenarios, man, I it, unless the gap in skill is just enormous, which I don't think it's actually that big, I yeah I, I would go with the young guy. Yeah, it's too bad because I did like JDS. I did like JDS coming up as a newcomer up until he knocked out Cain Velasquez at uh, UFC on Fox One. I was there live. My brother and I went. We were so hyped. Obviously, we're Latin American. We're Mexican American. We're we're going for Kane, mm-hmm. and I still watch that shot, and I st- I will still say to that very day, to this very day, that JDS he didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't intentional, but his 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 shot was like a looping shot that hit the back of Kane's uh, ear and or head, and that's why Kane dropped like a fucking sack of potatoes. 
he he also followed up with some good shots on the floor. But I think that initial shot was was behind the head. Again, it wasn't intentional. It was just you know. Kane also wasn't physically ready to fight. Like he he had just come off of like I think it was a knee surgery yeah. or, or something. He was just fresh off of surgery. He wasn't physically in in shape to fight, and um, that one didn't go his way. And then he responded by. Uh, taking probably about 15 years off of JDS's life in the next two fights. Yeah, in the trilogy. Yeah, there was a trilogy. They, they fought three times. Kane won the second and third time, and those second and third times were pretty dominant. Oh, just, just grueling. Battering. And just, just, you know, almost to the point where it's like you would almost wish that Kane had KO power <laughs> so he could just end it quick. But it's like, no, you're just going to, you you know, JDS was in good enough shape and had enough willpower where he wasn't going to quit. And Kane wasn't going to stop. It, yeah. was, it was just bad news. But um, the the next fight on the card, uh, I think I think is definitely an interesting one. I, I mean, it's it's Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera, aka Cheeto Vera. Yeah. Uh, again, the the one the, the reason why I think this is interesting is O'Malley is a guy that the UFC has pushed a ton. Uh, I've seen a lot of you know fans in particular saying, "Oh, he's overhyped. He hasn't beaten anybody." Um, you know, when they're referring to O'Malley. And I, I think that's maybe a, a little bit disrespectful to, to Eddie Wyland. But I understand what they're saying. But just because a guy's getting maybe more hype than he deserves at this stage in his career also doesn't mean that it's wrong necessarily. Right. Uh, so what I was going to say... Sorry, go ahead. I, what I was going to say about O'Malley is he's a guy that, in my opinion, I actually like the way that his his fight career he's developing fights he's not going for the glory and gold right now he is flashy he does do all this spinning shit and crazy you know flying whatever punch elbow all this weird shit um he doesn't talk a whole ton of shit it sounds it comes off more like i'm confident um i i try to like when i try to compare it to connor connor was a even though connor backed it up Connor was a lot more talk. Um, O'Malley seems to be progressing his career, taking his kind of taking his time with his fights. I wouldn't say picking his fights, but for sure, like climbing the ranks at a slow and steady pace, which is, I think, a very intelligent thing to do, especially because he's still young. Um, he's got all the time in the world to develop his game. Um, so I, I like what he's doing with his career. I, I really do. I think that's also in part that's the UFC pacing him because, because and this is the thing, this is where I think fans and and maybe even the matchmakers have a little bit of a disconnect. Like the last time I saw a a uh, kind of young male prospect get this sort of hype that Sean O'Malley has gotten and the sort of push from the UFC, it was Sage Northcutt, right? And everyone's like, oh, it's Super Sage, he's great. You know, he looked super flashy. And then when he ran into um, so- solid fighters, all of a sudden he just got exposed badly. And the thing is, like Sage Sage Northcutt, for for uh, all his attributes, um, which are mostly his hair and his like freaky <laughs> like body proportions, his background was point fighting in karate. Right. Which it's like that doesn't really translate. Like point fighting in karate, like you don't learn how to set your feet 
and really deliver a hard punch. Like it's all about getting these like quick little like it's like fencing where you're just trying to like tap somebody with your hand or foot yeah. to get a point. He didn't get out. And like his his striking was not there. His grappling wasn't there. Um, and you know I don't know about O'Malley's backstory, but like Sage was kind of like a. I think it's fair to say he was a little bit sheltered. He came from a very conservative yeah. Christian background. Like I don't think he'd been put in situations where it was sink or swim and he was going to sink a bunch right. and like learn to, to deal with that. He's not a dog in the cage. And I'm like, yo, O'Malley's not that guy. Like he, he's a different, he's a different persona. He's a different mentality. And it, I mean, so here's the question. Do you, do you think he, he is overhyped? And if so, by how much? Um, I, no, I think, I think he's a case for me. Again, my opinion is he's a, a rare case where the hype he's got, he's earned it. Um, he also, you know, he also has that persona. Like he's a, he's a stoner. You know, he, he's got his own brand of pot accessories or pot brand. I don't know exactly what he's affiliated with marijuana. It, it, it's, it's like, uh, like Kim, Kim Kardashian has her like purse and clothing line. Yeah. And Sean O'Malley has his, his bong and uh, yeah. custom weed line. He's also on Twitch, so he's a gamer, um, which I love. Quick, quick question. If if you're going to name a, a custom marijuana strain for Sean O'Malley, what what, what would you call it? Because mm. they always have like weird creative names, right? There's like, I, I'm trying to trying to remember from my, my limited time in Denver you know, dispensaries. I think he does. Like OG Kush. And, but, but what would you name it for him? I think he might actually have a strain. I don't know what it is, but I would I would name it like uh, Sugar. Something would do with Sugar because that's his MMA nickname, Sugar Sugar Sean O'Malley. It's the Sugar Show, so it'd be like the Sugar Kush or OG Sugar or I don't know something along those lines. I have to think about it. Sour Sugar, Sugar Diesel. <laughs> those yeah, I guess those are all, all the. I'm like I'm now. I'm just trying to recall all the names. So yeah, you're right. It had to be. It would have to be something with sugar, and no, it's not sugar. It's sugar. Sugar, sugar. I <laughs> know, uh, I know. I okay. I I I learned that because the the real importance because I was I was speaking with uh, some some uh, Latin fellows who are a little bit younger than me via Discord, which is which is an app, and they they said another word with with a. A ending. Oh. And and I tried to just like repeat it back to me and they were like, whoa, whoa. Because I was just, I was like, no, no, I was just saying what you said. And they're like, first of all, like maybe you shouldn't even say that one at all. Plus, you didn't pronounce it right. And I'm like, oh fuck. We're gonna let me just like move on from this. And then they, they did not they didn't let me move on from that. So so yeah, so so sugar. I'm let's I, I'm gonna name his his in, in tribute to his hair. I, it, the next uh, Sean O'Malley weed strain has to be called Rainbow Sugar. Rainbow Sugar. I like it. He changes his hair color a lot. That makes sense. I know the most recent has been kind of multicolored, but I, I hear yeah. I hear that for this coming fight with Chito Vera, he's actually dyeing his hair the colors of Chito Vera's Ecuadorian flag, if I'm not mistaken. That's a little bit like weirdly passive-aggressive, but okay. You do Passive-aggressive or... or, or Maybe showing a little respect. I, I don't know. I have no, no idea what his intention or why he's doing those colors. Um, O'Malley is a minus 310 favorite to Cheeto's plus 240 dog. Uh, O'Malley's got a 12-0 record with eight first round. I'm sorry, eight TKO KO finishes and only one submission. Cheeto Vera's 15-6-1. and one. 
He's got uh, five decision losses of the six. Um, yeah, but he, he's been on a nice little run. Right. I mean, he, he he lost his last fight to to Song Yadong, who's also, I mean, he's a good fighter, but I don't, Cheeto Vero's legit. I don't like, re- let's put it that way. Yeah, he did. he's legit. I don't recall exactly how the fight played out. I'm a little foggy, but from what I've read and from what I can recall is that it was a kind of a, a controversial loss to Song Yadong. Some, some believe it, that. It was a very close fight, and I think most people thought Cheeto Vera won right. that, and Cheeto Vera definitely thought Cheeto Vera won that. So Cheeto's got um, uh, five KO, TKO finishes and eight submissions, so he can actually finish it standing up on the ground. Um, one little side thing, although he's been working with Jason Perillo um, at Ruka in Orange County, um, I know Marlon Cheeto Vera has actually worked also with um, Colin Oyama, and I keep bringing Timo Yama up. Um, Colin Oyama, I, I never, we never got around to, to discussing Colin Oyama. Um, he's a Whittier College alum, uh, who went to school at Aaron Nye's alma mater. He went to school around the same time that, uh, Sanche Das and Morgan, um, back in those days. Um, high hopes that this podcast starts doing better and I, we've got actual place to, uh, like, uh, um, start, you know having more production done to it, but I, I'd like to have Colin Oyama as a guest at some point in the future. And some of those fighters, cause he's also trained, um, Carla Esparza, um, Ian McCall back in those days, Shane Del Rosario back in those days. He's trained a lot of uh, high level athletes and his gyms in Orange County. So, um, what I also want to mention, a uh, shout out to Colin Oyama and his camp is that because of the COVID and all these weird times we're going through, um, all the almost all the fight cards, as of late, uh, m- maybe the last seven or eight fight cards have featured one fighter, f- one or multiple fighters from his camp. Um, I follow Colin's uh, Instagram, and the guy's been tested for Corona like fucking twenty times in the past whatever two months because of having to go to Abu Dhabi and and all that stuff. And he's had a fighter on every fight card. Um, yeah, so. So my even though Cheeto Vera is a dog, I want, I want, I want it to be a good. I think it's going to be a good fight. I hope for it to be a good fight, and I'm going to go with the dog in this fight. Um, I, I I mean Cheeto Vera fights usually are just really good fights. Like I'm trying to think of a bad fight that he's had, and I can't remember one. And he's just he's just a go, really good all around fighter. So this this is this is a a sink or swim moment for Mally and it's going to get interesting one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, Mally O'Malley has been touched here and there in some of uh, some of his other fights and and again they're saying that he hasn't fought anybody big. He hasn't fought like a top 10 guy yet. Um the closest to like a top ranked guy was Eddie Wyland. I don't think Wyland was ranked at the time when they fought, but what Wyland has is he's had that name. He was a former uh WEC champion. He's a vet so when when O'Malley fought Wyland, they're like, okay, finally he's gonna be kind of tested, and um, yeah, not so much. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> Wyland's uh, chin just didn't hold up. He got hit a couple times, dinged up, and was already seeing stars. And O'Malley just did a walk off KO. Um, but with Vera, so- with Vera, I don't think any of that exists. He doesn't have a glass jaw. He's no, he. I mean, he's he's still a young guy. Like O'Malley's twenty five, and Cheeto Vera is twenty seven. Yeah. 
So they're both they're both young guys. Both young guys. Um, so I I think I think finally, um, Cheeto Vera or or someone's gonna test Sean O'Malley. Um, I'm I'm pulling for the dog in this one for sure. That's my hashtag bold prediction of the week. You, you know who's fighting on this card that's not a young guy though. You're gonna tell me, Mr. Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Main event. 41 years old. Main oh. event. Main event. <laughs> oh, he's DC years old. And it's a, it's a it's an interesting fight in a lot of ways. It's a trilogy fight. First fight. Um, DC KO'd him with like a short right hook from the inside. Um, and the second it fight, was an uppercut. Was it an uppercut? I think so. Yeah. Okay, could be. You you might be right, but yeah, a short, short punch from the inside. It was a short. Is a short shot inside. Knocked him out. And then uh, the rematch, Stipe uh, reciprocated, knocked uh, Cormier out. Although with 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 the second fight, it, the the buildup was a bit different on how Stipe came with, about that knockout because Stipe was, I think he was losing that fight, the second he, fight. He was so so he <coughs> DC KO'd him, Stipe TKO'd him. Yeah. Um, and it was largely on the back of body shots. Yes, I remember that. I think in the third or fourth round, um, Stipe just started to lean in on some like some like body shots, and then uh, mixing them up with some head shots, and and then DC was f- for sure DC was feeling those body shots. Uh, his face was wearing it. I'm sorry, his face, his body was wearing it. You could tell he was like, ugh, ugh. And um and yeah so 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 Stipe TKO'd him. Um, so, so the one there's there's a couple things though that you have to take into account going to that second fight. Um, was that I mean like Daniel Cormier for that fight in specific was just going through so much shit. So there was a couple things like first like he was relatively fresh off of back surgery. Um, you know, it was one one of those points where he was like, well, I don't think I can train anymore. Uh, I, I'm just going to have to hang it up. And Khabib, you know, of, of, of all people, uh, had had the, had had the same back surgery and was like, do it, brother. Like, it's going to take you a year. Khabib calls everyone brother. Brother, do brother. It, you, must, you must get back back surgery, brother. Um, but he didn't – DC didn't wait a year. I mean, he was, he was the champ. He felt like he had to defend his belt. So, like, he really physically was not there. He definitely was not training – um, the, the same way. I mean, sometimes coming off an injury, it's like you you can perform almost like you would normally, but you just can't train. Like you can, you know, for whatever it is, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes, you can kind of suck it up and be physically kind of where you're at. But the day in and day out grind of, of training, your body just doesn't hold up to it. So physically he was right. He was a problem, but I think the bigger problem was, DC was just all fucked up mentally in that before that fight because I don't know if you know this his DC's stepfather had died the week before that fight of cancer and I remember watching it and I didn't know any of this but I'm like what the what is DC doing it's like this is like the dumbest game plan like he's not mixing in his wrestling he looks like he's just mad about something and just showing complete disregard for Stepe as a fighter like he was just like waiting in like. Stipe couldn't do anything to hurt him, just throwing punches, fighting super recklessly. I'm like, this doesn't seem like DC. I don't know what's going on. And yeah, that eventually uh, caught up to him. But like, 
in context of what he was going through, I'm like, wow, that that makes sense. Because DC's a guy who's had to deal with a lot of personal tragedy in his life. And I think that one really, really hit him hard because for all this turbulence that his stepfather had been um, a real like grounding figure for him and to, to have him die right before the fight, like he he mentally was not really in it. Like he wasn't thinking about how to win. He was just mad. Yeah, and uh, on the on the and, and DC, uh, man, I remember seeing the the Grand Prix, when, like the rise of DC early in his career, Strike Force. He came in as a fucking replacement because somebody else couldn't make the, somebody I forget yeah. who somebody else couldn't make the fight. So here comes Daniel Cormier, uh, uh, Olympian wrestler, Olympian wrestler, or uh, was he an alternate? I I don't. Oh no, he was he was an Olympian. Okay. He he took fourth. Okay, so he was he was one. So so just just again but to the backstory of DC. I'm just trying to fill it in where where I can. He he took fourth in the Olympics, which I mean that's no joke. And then the the, the next Olympics when he really really felt like he was going going to medal. Um, he just he fucked up his weight cut bad, and that was sort of the stigma. Daniel Cormier was the guy that took an Olympic spot and then did could not make weight. And he couldn't even compete because, like, his like kid, his kidneys were shutting he down. Referred and to himself, like, no. He referred to himself as a portly man who had issues making weight in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, his his stock wasn't real high coming out of that. Like, it's like, oh, it's like that overweight. Like, he's like the fat kid who couldn't make weight for the Olympics. And like, I actually, I mean, I'm I'm gonna probably screw the story up, but I remember him talking about the first meeting he ever had with Scott Coker. Who is the president of uh, Bellator? Is current current president of Bellator, and he was the president of Strike Force, this this promotion you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So just to fill it in, it's like the I think it was Bob Cook who who's the um, like the head of, of American Kickboxing Academy gets DC this meeting with with Scott Coker, and DC's like poor, super poor, has no money. Like wrestlers in other countries, you know, are getting houses when they win. They're getting money. They're getting cars. Um, Yolo Romero, who is an Olympic silver medalist in Cuba, depending on your your spot on the depth chart, you get you get more money and you get more food. So like if you're like the number one wrestler, like they'll have like seven guys in the Olympic development program at each weight class. And if you're like Yoel Romero and you're the number one guy, you're eating really well and you're getting fed like really nice, like expensive food and everything. And you're, if you're the third guy, like you're, you're eating pretty good. If you're the seventh guy, you're literally getting table scraps. You're it, that 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 whole saying of like you're you're hungry to win. No, if you're a fucking seventh death chart wrestler in Cuba, you are literally hungry. So, and DC at that time in his life was literally hungry. So like he, Bob Cook brings him to this meeting with Scott Coker at a pizza restaurant, and Scott Coker orders a pizza and DC just starts inhaling it. He's just like, like a fat kid <laughs> who hasn't eaten shoveling pizza in his mouth. Um, 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 and like, and like Scott Coker's just looking at Bob Cooker. Like, are you, are you for real? Like this, this is the guy you wanted me to, to, to sign. And Bob Cook's like, yeah, trust me. And, and he signed him. And well, I mean, pick up from your story about how that grand prix played out. Yeah. So he's, he's always been, uh, uh, stature wise, he's always been kind of smaller, uh, built like a fucking fire hydrant, though a little portly, as he calls himself. He's made fun of himself on a number of occasions. Um, he did that whole Popeyes, <laughs> Popeyes chicken thing. 
Uh, that video is amazing. If you have time to watch it, look it right. up on YouTube. So, so it's understandable why people didn't take him seriously, but yeah, in that in that strike strike force Grand Prix, like he comes in as an alternate, and then what did he do? I think Barnett was the first one that he, he did. Bar- Barnett was actually for the ch- the, the championship. Oh, oh, was he the first one? Shoot, I'm gonna have to look it up. I remember I remember the Barnett match while you, because while you look it up, I'll- DC just. Freaking ragdolled Barnett. While you look, this while you look it up, let me just spat out some of the stats on these guys. Um, uh, Stepe minus one ten, DC minus one twenty. So the Vegas odds, it's still a very, it's a coin toss. They don't know who's gonna edge it out. Stepe's record is nineteen and three. Uh, he has a knockout loss to DC, a decision loss to JDS, and a TKO loss to Stefan Struve. So other other than those three losses, he's got a perfect record. Also, the winningest so, so yeah, heavyweight Bar- champ. Bar- Barnett was was for the championship. He fought um, he fought Jeff Monson, and then in that Grand Prix, he he KO'd Bigfoot Silva, mm-hmm. who is still at the 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 peak of his TRT Bigfoot powers at that point, uh, and then. Goes in against Josh Barnett and just was it. It looked like Barnett was moving in slow motion because at that point DC was so much quicker than anyone at heavyweight had so, could keep so much higher pace and didn't get tired from wrestling. And he, I just remember seeing him DC go in on single legs and lift this two hundred and probably fifty two hundred sixty pound heavyweight up over his head again and again. And it wasn't even like the most effective way to get a takedown. I think he was just doing it for effect, just tossing him over his head and seeing Barnett slam down onto the mat. I'm like, fuck, like this dude's for real. Yeah. Uh, DC's record 22 and two. He's got the TKO loss to Stipe, uh, decision loss to Jones. And the, he's definitely not 22. Oh, right, because one no the con- one was uh, one no, contest no contest to John Jones. Um, DC's wins are 10 via TKO or KO and uh, five submissions. So D- DC can win it on the ground. Uh, he can mix it up with the striking. Uh, out of AKA, a lot of champions out of that camp. Um, Stipe is uh, from Ohio at a strong style. I think the only other fighter out of that um, academy that that's notable is probably Jessica I. I think uh, she she's not there anymore okay. either. Yeah, you're right. She did leave. She did. She talked about that some other podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's here's here's the one thing that I, that's a, a, a factor. I so I got to ask you. Do you think so? So whether whether or not. DC wins or loses, he's already called it. He's already said, this is going to be my last fight. Whether I win yes. or whether I lose. Do you think that's a good move for any guy that's already teetering retirement to say, hey, win or lose, this is my last fight? What are your, your thoughts? I, I, I think in this case, that is the correct move. Like to to the point. So so this this was this was my reaction when he beat Stipe the first time was the you know the the light heavyweight and the heavyweight champ. I was like DC retire now. Okay. Like just do it. Like it's not gonna get any right, better than right, this. Right. Your your stock will never be higher. All the things that you want to do outside of fighting. Um, he was already commentating by are, then too, right? Yeah yeah like 
they're they're all there for the taking and you're poised better than you ever will be to go and do them like don't fight more and get brain damage and and um jeopardize any of that just just like walk away like you did it because his, his whole life he'd been dc had been looking for that one moment of greatness he didn't he did not get it as a collegiate wrestler you know he fell short of winning a national championship because he had to he had to go against the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time in the whole history. I mean, it's not even close. The guy, the guy that he, he lost to was 189-0 and 0 as a collegiate wrestler. Like, amazing. And that, but that's just what he's always run up to. And, you know, he fell, he fell short in the Olympics, didn't, didn't medal, and then had to, couldn't, couldn't compete because of uh, the weight cut issues. And then... The same thing happened to him at light heavyweight. Like he he runs into undisputably the greatest light heavyweight of all time, and you know, some people think that the greatest fighter of all time. I would say light heavyweight, but that's a whole different conversation. In John Jones, and it's like he just could not get that moment, and then he got it. He KO Stipe Miocic. I'm like fucking retire. And then when I see them schedule the second fight, I'm like no. Yeah. Don't why well, he, why are you do like Stepe Stepe was gunning for the rematch. He's like I, he's like prior mm-hmm. to you beating me, I'd been the the the, the quote unquote greatest heavyweight in UFC history, having defended it two or three times. Yeah, right. Well. Having defended it two or three times doesn't say much. It's heavyweight. The fucking belt changes hands every two three fights, anyways. Um, but I recall uh, DC didn't really want to give Stepe the rematch immediately. He wanted. He was going after the Brock Lesnar fight. He was going after some money, and and I think I think DC could yes. have won that fight against Brock. In fact, I, I'm very confident he would have beaten Brock if Brock was not juicing. Which, whole other story. Brock is always going to juice. Sorry, Brock Lesnar fans. Um, but then when that fight with Brock fell through. That's when he decided, okay, I'm gonna take the, the give Stipe his rematch. And you're right, I was I was on the same page with you. I was like, don't don't do it. What are you doing? What? But to, to I mean, to his credit, he also didn't sit on it because I I mean, I just got done saying I think he took that fight sooner yeah. than he should have. Like he was still recovering from back surgery. His dad died of can you know was was sick with cancer when he took the fight. Like I think if he's if he'd said you know separate from from the the family tragedy. If he'd just been like, look, I need a couple more months to to get 100% healthy, like, that would have been fine. But he's like, okay, no, LeBrock Lesnar fights off the table. I'm going to take the Stipe fight as soon as I can. Like, he's DC's always been a good sort of corporate guy. Like, he, you know, the UFC needs a, a, a headlining heavyweight fight. Like, okay, he's going to fight that fight. Yeah, obviously, in, in, in hindsight, that was a bad idea. Yeah, and uh, speaking of bad ideas... Um yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, why we were talking about that? Uh, just one line, really quick. Complete from left field, unrelated to DC Stipe three. Um, I knew JoJo shouldn't have taken that fucking fight against Jennifer. My- Period. End of story. <laughs> yes, you're still on this. It's just, I, Jesus again, Christ. we were talking about how where it was just bad news. <sighs> Don't take the fight. What are you doing? Anyway, back to Stipe DC three. Um, yeah, okay. Stipe. I mean, DC should. DC should have just retired. Like after the Brock fight, which should have just retired after the Brock fight fell through. But but to to get to get to your question, once they announced the third fight, I I was like, hell no! What are you doing, DC? Because he had said hard and fast, 
that he was going to retire before right. he turned 40 years old. And then like that came and gone and now he's 41. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? And the, 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 there are two things changed, changed my mind. One was he, when he, when he said this, it doesn't matter what happens in this last fight. I don't, I don't, doesn't, I could win. I could lose. I could, you know, screw up and get terribly unlucky. He's like, my wife has told me this is the last fight. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to Selena, his wife. Uh, and I was like, okay, that, that does change the dynamic. Cause it, it has to end. And if, if this is hard and fast, the last one, that's a little bit of a change in the, 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 the dynamic. Like I think, I think for DC, like he, he will be motivated, you know, it's cause some guys, when they say, Oh, well, it's the last fight. It's like they have one foot yeah. in, they have one foot out. And it's usually, it's not a last fight for a belt. It's just like a last fight to have just one more fight to maybe try to recapture a victory or something, which is very different than competing for UFC gold to get to go out as a champion, to get to, to sort of write that fuck up of not retiring right after he won the heavyweight championship. And this is the second thing to me, which is huge. And this is a mentality thing. I heard DC say, look, I don't, I'm not even hung up about winning this fight. I did not compete to the best of my ability in that second fight. Uh, I wasn't physically healthy. I fought a dumb game plan. As long as I, I go out there and compete and, and compete to my ability, if Stipe Miocic beats me and he's a better mind, that's fine. I can actually walk away happy. And I don't, I don't really know if that's true. But I do think he's going to go into that mindset of like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter about, um, you know, the victory. It matters about the manner he, he, he goes about competing in the fight. And if he does that and, and he really, that really does give him some personal closure and, and he can, he can feel more at rest with his career, then fucking fine, man. Do it one more time. It's because it's not, it's not these, these, aged, decrepit fighters who are just fighting one more fight for really no purpose and they're just trying to draw out a career. If this is truly the last time and it's for a belt... Yeah, so here... And, it, and it's going to give him some mental peace of mind. So here's where I, it. I disagree with you. Uh, um, I think any time that a fighter has already made up their mind before a fight that they're going to retire, win or loss, they've, they've already... They, again, you said it earlier. They're already one foot out the door. They're they're one foot in, one foot out. It's not a good sign. Um, does DC have the capacity to win? Yes. What does DC? What does his legacy gain if he beats Stipe going out in the W? I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it can get get any better for DC. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm saying. It's this isn't about legacy. This is about something personal right. to him. And that's why when I, when I kind of understood like this isn't he's not doing this for the fans. There's not even going to be fans there. He's not doing it for legacy. It's like this just means something to him personally. Like okay, man. Uh, that's why I'm saying is I, I I disagree. I think I think for me, I like DC a lot. I, I want him to win. I'm rooting for him. Um. Uh, I don't want him to go down in history as being like not quite this is not the, the best way to put it but like second best you know you know he's gonna be happen, second though. best in light heavyweight because uh, john jones yeah. had his number he's gonna be the second best to kale sanderson in wrestling he's gonna be the second best in heavyweight you know what i mean if he, he he's only he, he's he got mm -hmm. way more downside than upside 
But that's that's already that's already going to happen in heavyweight now as it stands. Like that's what I, I just don't feel like other than potential injury, I don't feel like he has that much to lose cuz right now the way that he's going to be remembered as a heavyweight is oh yeah, he was the second best. He got he I poked DC in, or he I poked Stipe in the first fight and he landed a lucky punch and then when the rubber hit the road in the second fight, Stipe fucked him up and Stipe's the greatest heavyweight. He has the most heavyweight title defenses yeah. and Stipe beat him. That's that's how people will remember I don't him. Know. Um, that's that and again. That's what I'm saying. He should he should have walked away after yeah. that first fight. He fucked it up. No, I agree with you on that. And and taking the second fight was dumb. And I think taking the third one is just as dumb. I I think taking the th- the third fight is not ideal. But I don't I don't think it's in the same ballpark as that second fight. Gotcha. Like, uh, and and again I. This is this is maybe this is also me maybe projecting onto this fight because one of the things about DC that I, I found inspirational and I can't talk about a lot of uh, USC fighters being inspirational like more it's like what the fuck are you doing why would you do that why would you say that why would you tweet that you fucking moron like um, anyhow but in DC's case like he he's gone through so much personal tragedy I and mean, we talked about his stepfather dying his biological father was murdered when he was 7 years old by the, by uh, his his, fa- his father's first wife murdered murdered DC's father so but DC's father uh I think divorced his first wife married his second wife and the first right. wife then murdered him when he when DC was 7 like DC he he had a a, a daughter um you know, he, he had a daughter uh, die in a car accident from his first marriage. And, and like that, you know, and a lot of times when there's that that level of charity, uh, tragedy that the marriage didn't work yeah. out, like it's hard to keep together when like there's always that lingering reminder. And that's the thing about DC. There's like so many things that have gone wrong in his personal life, in his professional life, in his fighting life. And like he just he just keeps bouncing back. He keeps finding a way to make it happen when, when all when all odds say that this isn't going to happen when he, you know, when he's this, this overweight chubby guy in a fucking pizza parlor with Scott Corker looking at, at Bob Cook being like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? And at that point he wasn't a young guy. He was old by the time he made it into pro fighting. He'd already been, he was like, like the senior guy in the wrestling circuit and there's no way it shouldn't have worked out on paper. And like somehow he made a way to make that work. You know, it's like same thing. Like you know, as a fighter, like he, he he fought the best I've ever seen DC fought. I think the peak of DC's career as a fighter was that second fight against John Jones. Like that's the best I've ever seen him look in those two rounds. And I think he beat John Jones in the first two rounds. And then you know his his flaws as a fighter gets gets um, exposed. He gets head kicked, and like there's DC on national television like in tears yeah. blubbering through an interview with Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan saying, well, what do you think's next for this rivalry? And DC being like, there, I, I lost twice. Like there is no rivalry. Like just, just completely just looks like shook, like confidence broke as a human being and a, and a competitor. And then a year later somehow manages to be both the light heavyweight champ and the heavyweight champion of the world. That was, that was oh, a year turnaround. And he just, and and from the, the the personal tragedy you know in in his life like he bounces back and has ends up having a, a, like a really happy marriage and two kids that he absolutely adores. I mean you can you can just tell yeah. when he talks about them. 
And it's like he keeps coming back and he f- takes these situations which seem like they're shattered and broken and yeah. he makes gold out of them. Um, and you know what? Is this, is, is, has he gone you know, to, to the well on that too many times? Maybe. Maybe this one isn't going to work out that well. But for me, we're like, I talked about some of my health problems um, and I, you know, I don't, again, I don't really need to get into the details, but like be, being in chronic pain for that long really fucks with your life. Um, and be, you know, being at that spot where like you're, you're an NCAA college head coach, you busted your ass to get there and you're worrying about like, how are you going to tie your shoe at the beginning of the day? Well, is, is a hard situation to bounce back from and seeing seeing DC do it over and over again, and keep finding a way to stay positive and make these situations work for him, it is an inspiration to me. So maybe maybe I'm I'm like I said, completely projecting on this, and I just want to believe that he can do it one more time because that's the same thing that I'm trying to do in, in my life. I mean, not maybe not when uh, uh, UFC heavyweight gold. <laughs> I think that. that <laughs> That that opportunity uh, has maybe come and gone, but you know we we always look at sports as a metaphor for life, and uh, it, that's why like seeing him do that little magic trick one more time would make make me so happy, and why like somehow I'm emotionally invested in this fight in, in a way that I haven't been for regardless a long time. of the outcome of the main event. Um, I am going to be completely happy for DC in his career as a whole. Um, and the fact yeah. that he's got a very, very strong, bright future as a broadcaster, commentator, um, DC and, uh, and the other DC, Dominic Cruz are by far, by, by far my two favorite, um, former or current and former fighters that are, that are now, uh, broadcaster commentators, um, by, by a large margin. There's all these other guys like Paul Felder, um, I'm brain farting. I know Sangano's, uh, 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 Verdum has done it in Spanish. I know a bunch of other fighters are doing other. I hear mm-hmm. GSP is going to be doing it for uh, Canadians, um, but but by far, they, they, they're DC and and Dominic Cruz are both very highly intelligent. Um, that uh, can point out a lot of the ins and outs in uh, in the fight game. I, I I love I love both of them when they're commentating in tandem yeah. with Joe Rogan for very different reasons. Because Joe, Joe Rogan is, is taken as this this sort of like universal, you know, fight oracle, like that he knows everything about fighting, and frequently he is talking out of his ass. And I love hearing Dominic Cruz yeah. put him on blast when Joe Rogan will say something, and Dominic do, just Cruz just yeah. gives zero fucks. He doesn't. It could be literally anyone, and he's like, "Well, no, that's wrong," because and then he just points it out. I'm sitting there like, <laughs> and then. For a very different reason, DC, you know, DC is a little bit more diplomatic about stuff like that, but DC still has this like childlike yes. enthusiasm for fights. He'll get so excited and it, Rogan used to be like that, but you could just see like he's been doing it for so long now. He's commentated so many fights where like that that sort of sheer joy that he used to get from watching fights is kind of gone for him. It comes off kind of it, it comes off kind of fake sometimes with Rogan nowadays because you're right because he's done it for so long. I think sometimes he's he's embellishing how he genuinely maybe his his fire isn't there but he's trying to put it put it on like it's still there. 
Well, ex- except when he's commentating with DC because DC gets so excited that it's yeah. just contagious and like it like Rogan will get like c- contact enthusiasm where DC's like, oh my God. And then Rogan, yeah. you know, gets excited. It's like, it's that sort of the feeling of like, oh, you're, you're watching your fight, you know, the fight yeah. with one of your boys. For sure. Um, and I mean, that's, that's always the most fun way to watch a fight when you're in a group and everyone yeah. gets really into it. And that's, it's like you, you see that dynamic with uh, DC and Rogan. So uh, I, I just hope that however this fight ends, whether it's Stipe winning or DC winning, he can find some, some peace and, and a performance that he's happy with. And uh, I'd love to, I, you know, I heard DC say that like his dream isn't even to just do commentating. He wants to, he would, he would almost want to be kind of like a, like a talk show host, like Michael Strahan. I think he'd be perfect for that. He'd be amazing at it. Yeah. Or, or, or like a, a very good podcast, you know, or, I mean, not, there's already a million of us out there, but yeah. Well, but that's, that's the thing for, for a guy like Dominic Cruz, I think, there is sort of a, a ceiling imposed on him by MMA. You know, like I think he's always going to have to be MMA related. Whereas DC, yeah. he could break out of that mold. He could, I, I mean, I could see DC, you know, t- taking a place for like a Jimmy Fallon. I would actually fucking, I would, I would watch that show. Maybe not immediately. I think he has some, some work to do, but like, I could see him being a late night talk show host. I could see him being a morning I could see him doing so much stuff outside of MMA. He's he's got yeah you're right he's got a contagious charisma to him. He could do uh, fucking stand up comedy. He can do anything. It's entertainment related. He can go into acting if he wanted to, and I and I would I would watch that movie or I would uh, go to that comedy show or whatever or get that comedy special. But he's got yeah. DC already he already has been in some really great movies. Like he he was in Die Hard. Really? It was one of my favorite action I movies. It. Yeah. He was the the cop. I gotta rewatch it. I don't remember it. No, it was <laughs> that, that was a joke. I was hoping you you'd get. It, it was uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but you know the 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 um, the, the actor that played Carl Carl Winslow. Yeah. In Family Matters. Oh, he was. That, he? that was the guy. In Die I didn't Hard. know. I didn't, I didn't miss that. No, I believe <laughs> yes. you that he was in Die Hard. I was like, really? I had to watch that movie again. Yeah, that was like the he was the one the one character in Die Hard that like wasn't a complete psychopath. I could see DC. I could see DC in Expendables Four, with Randy Couture. See, and that's the thing. Though. I don't even think that he he's relegated to like action movies. Like he could do. I could see him in like buddy okay. comedy movies. Like that's like that. That's sort of the the, the great part of DC. Is he's like so good natured, and he is naturally sort of funny. Where you know a guy like Michael Bisbing. If he's acting, it's gonna have to be like in The Expendables Part Seven or like a Jason Statham movie. But like DC, he's got he's yeah, got a lot of avenues sure. open to him. I think I'm happy for DC. Uh, I hope he comes out with a W. But my my, I just don't like it. I have that same gut feeling with the J- Joanne Calderwood Maya thing going on. Oh, I'm I, I'm I'm nervous as fuck for this fight. Like, I mean, Stipe. Regardless of where you rank him, he's one of the top all-time heavyweights. Yeah. I don't think well, you can he, argue he, that. Yeah. And DC's old. He's forty-one, man. It's it's. There comes a time where it doesn't matter how much you want to do well or how much you you try to will yourself into doing something. It's like your your mind might be willing, but your body's not. And that part that point could have come and gone for DC, and it could be just depressing as fuck. And I I 
don't want to see that, but I'm going to watch. I got another quick question for you right before, because we're, we're running in about an hour 45 now, but one quick question for you before we wrap it up. DC retires no matter what, win-loss. Do you think mm-hmm. John Jones... The beef with John Jones will ever will it go away? Will will John Jones be like, hey, happy retirement, congratulations? Will he ever extend an olive branch, or will it, has he? Yeah, he already has okay. at times. Yeah. So as soon as John Jones stopped viewing DC's arrival, then he was a lot more like cordial mm. to him. I missed all that stuff then. Because I- yeah, I mean, John's a little bit of a sociopath, and by a little bit of a sociopath, I mean a fuck yeah. all hardcore sociopath. But so like he can extend, be cordial and extend conventions once this person is no longer a threat yeah. to what he wants and once as soon as that happened he's like oh yeah i see the positive of dc yeah. that's fine i don't know i, I didn't know that and, and I, my answer if you had asked me the same question i would have been like nah john jones is a dick he's fake even if he did say some nice things he's probably not being genuine about it oh that that's entirely possible that he's not being genuine i mean but like it's very hard to tell when john is being genuine when he isn't but he but he said nice things and and Sort of buried the, the 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 real question is will John Jones go up to heavyweight if DC wins and then pieces out? I bet he does. I know how you can tell John Jones is being genuine or not. When he's when he's talking, if he's got some uh, some some white powder on his nose, that's when he's being genuine. Yeah, I said it. Uh, I actually think that's probably when he's being the most genuine. Is. <laughs> When he's just when he's just in the the uh, I give no fucks mode, but I don't know I don't know John as a person. Um, like like many MMA fans, uh, he yeah. he's rubbed me the wrong way through many junctures of his career, so I am distrustful yes, of him as a here. person. Uh, but I don't. You know what? I don't. I don't ultimately care how John Jones's career ends one way or the other. Don't don't really give a shit. But I I uh, am deeply and emotionally invested in, in yeah. Daniel Cormier's career having an acceptable, if not great, ending. I've got nothing else, senor. Do you? Adios, muchachos. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. Buenos nochos. Wait, wait, wait a second. I always fuck these up because I don't know the, the genders. Wait, wait, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, buenos dias. A buen, buenas noches. There you go. Perfect. Hey everyone, Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you. 